On today's show, we check in on the NBA Finals and react to Quinn Snyder stepping down as the head coach of the Jazz. In golf, more big names are, have, are heading for the Live Tour, and the Angels have a new manager, and he might be a fan of the band Nickelback. And the college baseball season is heating up. This is Sound the Horn Sports. It's time for Sound the Horn with the Horn Brothers, Ben. This man has to prove his manhood. Dang. They're a middling team that gets into the playoffs, but then doesn't really do anything from playoff time. And Riley. Unfortunately, I kind of feel bad for him because it always seems like something crazy happens. Welcome back in. This is the Sound the Horn podcast. Ben, Riley, Danny, the gang's all here. How's it going, guys? Well, you know, I apologize if I sound a little funny. <coughs> Allergies have kind of been getting the best of me, and I don't have much of a voice, so I apologize right now. But uh, we'll see how long it holds out. It's better than it was yesterday. I'm I'm feeling good. I've been holding out on this for you guys for a minute, but I shot a 78 on Saturday. Am I golf game? Shut up. Prime right now. Where at, though? In, in Sunridge in Carson. Uh, let, eh, come on. It's a legit course. You ever played it? Well, it's, is it harder than Fernley? No. Yeah, it is. Uh, I don't think so. All right, copy that. I'll give it to you. 78 is a good score. I might go play the par three, nine-hole course, so I can shoot under 40. But, you know, like we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right. play, it uh, twice, play it twice, you might get 78. Hey. <laughs> but before we start, we did want to say happy birthday, Ben. So Ben's birthday, he's 39. This is his last birthday ever because, you know, we, we don't want to hit 40. So, yeah, Never, so happy uh, birthday, Ben. Never getting to that 40. Old. Okay. <laughs> Old man. But, yeah. Yeah, so appreciate him being on here. You know, I really, he's saying that it's allergies, but I think he just partied too hard today. You know, that's, that's, yeah, yeah, it's it's called work. I I worked, I came home, I watched a little bit of the office, I watched some Red Sox, I watched a little bit of the finals. Yeah, pretty exciting birthday, partying it up. Let me tell you what. Speaking of the finals, I know you're, you're bringing that up. Man, what about these Celtics? All right. Like, Riley, what are you seeing? Like, I'm seeing that so I was dominant. wrong about the Celtics for all season. Like I was right. I, yeah, okay. I'll give I'll give it to Ben. He he was right. One of, you you just like Boston his... stuff. You're just a homer. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. I was still right. I was the, still right. The Celtics are legit. I mean, they they've come out and they've shown that they are still the Celtics. No matter who's on that team, they always seem to somehow always be the best. And they've got players. They can put it together. They've got the pieces. And they're they're fighting, you know. They're they're out there. They're legit. They're a force to reckon with. Their defense has been underrated for a long time. They're showing why they have a reason to be there. They they're tough, and I think that Jackson's starting to get a little nervous right now because I don't know how much he likes banana cream pie, lemon meringue, lemon, oh, lemon meringue. meringue. It was come lemon on. meringue. Sorry. Yeah, come Either on. way, still messy yeah. and sticky. Yeah, as a reminder for those that didn't listen, so I've got a pie to the face bet with my son Jackson that the Warriors were going to win the finals. I said that they weren't. He said they were. I actually thought the Warriors were going to win, but now I am all in on the Celtics just so I can hit that little punk with a pie <laughs> in the face. So it's going to be fun. We'll film that. We'll put it on the on the Facebook page so you guys can see it on the YouTube channel. Yeah, I just think, you know, 
the old cliche is that defense wins championships and it doesn't seem to have been that way for the last few years in the NBA. The Celtics team though, their defense is smothering. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart on the perimeter. The Warriors just can't get any shots off and the Warriors don't have enough defense to be able to stop the dribble, the dribble drive. They don't have a rim protector and the Celtics are getting to the rim at will and there's nothing they can do about it. You know, there was, there's a point Jordan Poole's trying to contest the shot and it's like, you know, like he's, he's done, you know, like there's, there's no chance. Yeah. But you mean tackling guys at the rim is not being a rim protector? Like, yeah. Well, are you talking it, about training? It is in game two. Yeah. It is in game yeah. two. Hey, so, you know, my thing is, is, and part of the reason, and, and actually this kind of goes for both teams and what makes me happy is that, you know, both of these teams kind of have some homegrown talent. You know, I mean, this is, this is teams that didn't do this super team LeBron bull crap that LeBron likes to pull. You know, I mean, we're talking Al Horford maybe coming in Celtics, but he came in with Splinter, you know, and then he had the four Ninja Turtles when they were little turtles and he, trained him and raised him and now here here the turtles are carrying out horford maybe to a title you know i mean this is this is great stuff that we got going on here with the celtics and uh, a bunch of young guys that the celtics brought up through the draft and um or you know some crazy little trades with you know sending Kyrie to nets and letting him go and all this stuff that you know i love that this is how they built it not buying players and trying to buy a championship like LeBron has to do every time to win one. What are you talking about LeBron trying like buying championships? Like they haven't been doing this forever. The Lakers bought Shaq and brought him in. You know, the Lakers did this with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, look at the Celtics in the eighties and how many guys they brought in on that team. Look at the bulls. Look look at the Celtics with the big three, the original big three. Yeah, I mean, the, I know, Paul and it's nice to see. Grown. It's nice to see somebody else, somebody doing it now with guys that they raised. You know, the Bulls did it with guys that they raised. the The Spurs did it with guys that they raised. It's nice to see another team doing it with guys that they raised. Even the Warriors, before they brought in KD, did it with guys that they raised. You know, and so it's nice to see. I'm tired of this NBA. We got to hook up and have the Nets be the super team that we have to talk about for five months and the Sixers that we got to talk about for months on end. And Danny's got to talk about how great the Sixers are and how amazing James Harden is and all this garbage that he's going to finally get the monkey off his back and then can't make it out the second round. You know, I mean, it's great to see a team come together as a team, be raised together and learn together and then win a title because it means more that way. Hey, Sixers, that's the process, man. All the reason they had all of that is because of the process. Bad example, but yeah. I mean, Except that they don't even have like half the people that are right. the process left. The, so don't give me that garbage. That was their main can the main like poster child for trust the process is no longer there. Right, come well, on. Yeah, but they use him to get Harden, you know. So like, like it's all part of the process. <laughs> yeah, it worked, so worked out so well. It worked out well. So great. Like no, the, I, they're they're playing as much in the finals as I am right now. I'm just watching saying. Jason Tatum dominate, though, it is still funny. Like Danny Ainge flipped. They had the number one pick. Remember that year, and Philadelphia really wanted Markel Fultz, right? And so he flipped that, got more picks. 
moved back to three, got Jason Tatum, the best player in the draft, and got more picks while the Sixers went out to get Markel Fultz and the Lakers take Lonzo Ball. I, I still think Danny Ainge, Crazy. genius, genius. Hopefully he does that for stuff for the Jazz. We'll see. But that's that's the difference that you show in an organization that like the Sixers that are desperate or the Lakers were desperate to find another another guy, another Kobe, another whatever. And the the Celtics have been able to produce for years and years and years. And I think that shows kind of the composure of an organization that understands like, hey, we don't have to press and go get the guy that's got the hype. Like, let's find the talent that's going to work for our team. And so, I, like Ben said, I think that's that goes to the organization of like growing the right guys and not just like, go get the hype, man. You know, I think that gets too often done in the NBA. And But you still need that guy and it's hard to get him in the do. draft. The Celtics, the Celtics got one with Jason Tatum. A lot of teams don't have it. So... It, it takes time. Yeah. You brought up, you brought up Draymond green tackling people. So game two, I know things got a think, little bit. Of I think hand. game two, great. Draymond had more tackles than most NFL linebackers doing a season. Like, I, I don't know. I, I understand the NBA used to be physical and it's great to see someone being physical, but at the end of the day, the dudes out there just taking hacks on people I didn't think it was right when Pistons were bad boy Pistons were out there just beating on people. Like it, it's basketball at the end of the day. Like it can get physical, but Draymond's the type of guy that does it just because he's throwing shots and he's, I, I don't, I'm not a Draymond fan, fan as it is because like, I get where he's valuable to a team, but he just, he'll, he'll look to take cheap, cheap shots. He'll look to do whatever he can do to get his team that little bit of advantage, whether or not it's the right thing to do or not. And I think that's kind of where he he's going in the finals a little bit because he's not producing in other areas. Like you look at his stat line from tonight. It was just horrible. Um, so I'm going to kind of go in a weird comparison here. So follow me for a minute. You know, they call soccer the beautiful game, right? Because you got all this movement and, and people going and whatever else and passes and, and things oh, going on. 30 seconds of soccer? Like, we're, wait, we're wait not me a second. This. I said, go with me. I said, come with me. So hold on and be patient. It's called the beautiful game. That's the world's game. In, the, in America, we have basketball. And I think basketball is the beautiful game. I love baseball. But basketball is the beautiful game. You got the movement, the cuts, the screens, the movement, the dribble, the passing. It's the beautiful game. And when you put a Draymond Green out there, all it does is slow it down and make it less beautiful. And we already have enough football. It's like Diego Costa in soccer, you know, tackling people, pushing people, it could, intentionally committing fouls. Like that's where we need the, you know, the yellow cards and all that stuff that comes out because. It slows the game down and it's longer before. And I know that at the end of the day, if the Warriors win a title, they don't care whether he was beautiful or not. That's what they want. But you got one of the most, you know, you got Messi over there in, in Steph Curry that does things that are inhumanly possible with a basketball dribbling and movement and everything else. And now, but you have this guy just tackling people and throwing it down in it. It's a shame. And I don't, I don't like it for the game. I think that I like the beautiful aspect of basketball. That's what I want to see. I want to see the movement, the cuts, the passes. I will say though, the Warriors watching them play, like you said, it's beautiful. Like the way that they move the ball, the dribble drives, the shots, like everything that they do is flashy 
they need Draymond. Like, I think he, he is probably outside of Curry. He's probably the most important player on that team, right? Like you need somebody to go in there and bring that physicality. He springs people open. He does all of the little things that don't show up on the stat sheet that help you win the game. And like all of that is necessary. Now, what I have a problem with is all of the little extracurricular stuff that he does to like take cheap shots at people. Right. Like I wish he did it. Like he was just, he just played physical, right? Like you could play physical without playing dirty. And I think without there's times Bill Lambier. Yeah. Dirty. Yeah. Right. You know? And, and so I, but I think what he does, like you need that, you need somebody to get, you know, intimidate a little bit like you need to get into the head of the other team and you can't just go out there and you know play pretty all the time like you you need to be a little bit physical you need need to to muck it up a little bit i and i get that and i think that that's why i said like ultimately i think he's valuable i'm with you with the i don't like the cheap shots i don't like the little extracurricular crap that he does but at the end of the day, it also needs to be productive. Like the dude had four rebounds tonight. He had six personal fouls and four rebounds. Like if I get playing physical, there's got to be like a defense end, I guess the purpose of it, but it's got to be more of a purpose. You got to be physical so that you're getting rebounds so that you're affecting bad shots so that like you're getting your team more opportunities. And at the end of the day, I think like tonight it, it didn't pay off for him because what happened is they just started going physical back. And at the end of the day, you're going to start being physical. You're going to start being dirty. If the Celtics start playing physical, they're a bigger, stronger team. They're going to win that battle. And I think yeah. that's what happened tonight. Well, I think what he's, he's going to do a really good job on like Jalen, Jalen Brown. He's going to do really well with Jason Tatum, bodying them up. The problem is the Warriors don't have a big to match up with, no. with Robert Williams or the size that the Celtics have. And they've been able to play small with others and get away with it. They're not with the Celtics because the Celtics have too good a wing defenders that they can't exploit that matchup. Right. I, they can't, I think th- they can't yeah. score from the outside like they usually do. And so they can't, they have nothing to make the defense collapse in to open up that outside, which is ultimately why there is still need for a big man in the NBA, at least a serviceable big man. And I think that's being exploited right now with the Warriors. Yeah, I, I think the Celtics win it, and I think if the Warriors need to get back, in, want to get back into this, Looning's going to have to step up, and like, or Jonathan Kaminga, like, are they going to let that guy loose? He hasn't played a whole lot, you know. He's a rookie, he's young, but they need some sort of production from down low. Draymond's just—he doesn't have the size to be able to do that. He's a good swing five in a small ball, but that's not working for them right now. The other big news in the NBA, I know we're, we're jazz fans, Riley, you got your, your fan hat on today. Quinn Snyder resigned this week as the head coach for the jazz, not overly surprising. Like I, I, if he was going to stay with the team, I think he would have said that a long time ago, but it kind of puts the jazz a little bit behind the eight ball on hiring a coach at this point, you know, just initial reactions, thoughts, like I know Donovan Mitchell said he was disturbed, right? Like unnerved a little bit was, was what they had described him as like, how are you feeling about the coach search here? I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm, I, Quinn Snyder's done a lot of great things for, for the jazz. And the problem is it puts the organization in a tough spot. You've got to find a coach 
And we've been talking about personnel changes for the Jazz like since halfway through the season about what needs to be done, what needs to change to where they can be successful. And if you're worried about what kind of coach you're going to have, it's hard to really get the right personnel changes figured out as an organization, if you don't know what you're going to have as a coach with Quinn Snyder, you knew what you needed to get in order to make him successful and what he wanted and what were the pieces he wanted. Now you got to figure out who do you, who do you go out and get, who, who's really out there? Um, who's going to fit your organization that you want it. And you know, they might have to get creative with it. I don't know, go find something out there that's going to help them to fit the system and the kind of, uh, you know, the market that you've gotten in, in Utah as well. And so I think that's something that needs to be figured out fairly quickly so that then they can figure out their personnel situations quickly as well. So I'm, it's a pretty big blow for the jazz. I think that if I had to say without going too in depth into it, I, I Quinn Snyder's got to be one of the top five coaches in the NBA. You know, I think it's a big blow for them wanting to keep, you know, all the players that they have to keep building at the, what the level that they have, they need to make a decision on, on how they're going to move going forward with the personnel. But I, but I, and, and I know Danny, you made that funny face just now, but I really do. I do really do like Quinn Snyder as a coach. And I think that it's, it's going to be a tough blow. It's going to be a hard job to find somebody that does as well as he does in, in that job. And maybe they haven't done what they should have done in the playoffs, but the guy can coach and has done a great job with, a couple of guys don't get along. Let's be honest. Don Mitchell, you know, just they're not gelling as a team and they've done as well as they have. Like they should, they have talent, but they need to figure out personnel and maybe, maybe he's just tired of trying to make it work and those guys bicker. And I don't know. I think it was time. It's probably time for a change. I, I think Snyder's is a good coach. I don't know if I would go on to say top five in the league. I think there's a lot of really good coaches right now. Um, shoot, Jason Kidd. Like, Jason Kidd outcoached him this year in the playoffs, and Ty Lue did it last year. And I think those are just two amongst others. Ime Udoka has been looking great. Well, yes, Udoka and Spolstra. And yeah, I mean, yeah. let's go. But I mean, it's, he's right there. Yeah. Well, my concern is. So in looking at the candidates that Jazz are interviewing, right? Like Frank Vogel, Terry Stotts, not excited about either of those. Like we've seen what's happened there. Stotts, you know, he's he's had success with Portland. You know, he's dealt with Damian Lillard. So he ha- he understands some of that star pressure that goes along with it. But ultimately, Damian didn't like it. You know, they're looking at, um, what's his name? The assistant coach for the Knicks, Bryant, you know, because he has connections to Donovan Mitchell. It feels like this is a, like, are they going to go with the hire of what do we do to keep Donovan happy so that we keep him here, but then he still might bolt anyway, or like, where do we go with this direction? I'm just, I'm worried about the direction of the franchise and how desperate they are just to keep Mitchell happy. Like Gobert, I think is gone. Like there's so many rumors about him being traded. Like I think Gobert is gone no matter what. It's just, it's going to be interesting to see like where the chips fall. I just don't want, I don't want to just rerun it with like a Vogel or something. Like that's what I worry about them just trying to go for the safe hire and not really, and not being something, you know? What, um, here's, I mean, this is a guy, why don't they do something a little crazy, honestly? Um, 
guy that has been involved in your franchise and knows basketball and had some success with big stars and was a big star. Why don't they go find some way to get Dwayne Wade involved in the coaching? Like he's involved well, he's in part, the, he's a part owner. Like I don't think D Wade wants to coach. You don't, you don't think he has any interest in coaching, like even going to talk to him about it. I mean, I don't know. I don't think Something so, or else he wouldn't have explore. he wouldn't have gone into ownership. He like he's hosting I, TV that, shows. That makes sense. Yeah, maybe that's not the right direction for him. But find something that I don't know. If you keep going, get these guys that have been with these teams and they they've never gotten over that hump and never been able to do the job. I mean, we got to find something maybe different. I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see which direction they go with it, and hopefully, hopefully it all works out, and they they're able to able to fix things. I still think Mike Conley's got to go because him and Donovan just cannot play in the backcourt together; they're too small. And Gobert's gone. They need some you need some wing defenders. You do. You need to figure out some defenders that can play the perimeter and slow teams down. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, last thing. Well. We're going to go into transition away from that. We're going to go into a little game of this or that um, and react to a couple of couple of sports stories that are happening right now and give our take on what we think is happening, which we would choose as fans and how, how we're playing out with this. And so next weekend we have the U S open coming up and with that, the USGA, well, I guess not even the USGA, the U S open has said that they are not going to bar any players that leave the tour who have qualified from playing in the U S open. I I think they don't really have a choice. I think if, if players have qualified, they have to let them play, but you have more stars now alongside Phil Mickelson. You've had Dustin Johnson, Kevin, Na, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Cantlay. So you've had a few guys that are, have, are going to join the live tour, right? And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. The Saudi back tour, there's a lot of controversy around it. They're playing their first tournament this weekend in Portland, but it looks like it's not going to affect them, at least for the majors. Just before we do get into this or that, just initial reactions on what's happening with the live tour. Do you like it? Like dislike it? Like how, how do you feel about players? There's a lot of guaranteed money there. And I think I get that for the players, but like, do you feel comfortable with them joining that league with all of the controversy surrounding it? No, I, I don't want here's the deal. I love golf, but some of the appeal of golf is having all these big name guys battling each other out. You know, you're already dealing with 156 guys in most events, you know, and now you're going to divide that in two and you're going to have, you know, and you on average, we'll just say round it double and three twelve guys on two different tournaments spread across. That big money came because of a guy named Eldrick Tiger Woods. Like without him, there is no big money in golf. Like golf in the nineties, sure, I can name a bunch of guys, but they weren't making money like these guys are making money now. And and dividing it out is only going to minimize that and water the product down. I think in a lot of ways, um, I don't, I'm all about guys going, trying to get their, go get their money while you can go get your money, do that for you. But, but I, as a fan don't want to have to try to pay attention to two tours 
I mean, I want to see Mickelson battling it out with in Dustin Johnson. I mean, we're talking big name guys. I want to see them battling it out in tournaments, not just in majors. So, sure, I want to see these guys in the majors, but I'm not. I'm not a big fan of this thing. Not to I, mention, without going into the political ramifications of all of it, just strictly golf. And I, I, I agree with Ben on that side. I think that you know, in other sports, you get to see big names battle it out every once in a while. It's always big week in football when like two big quarterbacks are going at it. The, that's the cool thing of golf is every week you get to see the best of the world going at it in the same tournament um, or for the most part, but, and it will be kind of disappointing for that. I also don't know that like the guaranteed money is great, but for some of these top players in the world, it doesn't make that big of a difference. I don't like, I don't see the appeal for, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau to go there to get their guaranteed money. Now, for somebody who's not as big a name, I think it's definitely a big deal because you're getting a lot more guaranteed money going and playing in that tour. And so it makes sense for them. The money doesn't make, for me, I don't think it makes as much sense because, yeah, they're going to make great money doing it. But here's the deal. Dustin Johnson's not hurting on making great money at any time right now. Like, if he's in tournaments, he's making money. And with his sponsorships and everything else he's got going on, like that guy's got money and he's working just fine with what he's got. I don't know if that money is making as big a difference in that decision-making process for a guy like Dustin Johnson or Phil Mickelson, like in that situation for me. Dude, it's all about the money. Like nobody's saying it. It's all about them. If they're offering you a guaranteed 100 million dollars right like if you win a tournament you're getting and if you win you get a four million dollar purse which is higher than any pga tour event not counting the majors pga tour event that is a higher purse than any of those if you think it's not about the money you're kidding yourself that's the only reason they're doing it none of the players are willing to say it none of them have the guts to be like yeah i'm joining this tour because of the money they're like we want shotgun starts we want you know the flexibility within here. No, you don't. You want the money. Like they you, do because I, I get that, but like, I don't guaranteed see why that money, like, guaranteed money. Well, why doesn't it, this, it drives this everybody? What, That's why this everybody is the, does what we do. I get, we get that, paid but this to is do the it. problem. This is the problem that I see more and more in professional sports. That's why. And Ben complains about LeBron and his super teams. I actually respect LeBron for taking less money so that he can get a team around him that'll win championships at times. Like, dude, his net worth has doubled since he went to LA. I, I don't think he's I know taking that. less money. No, I know, but I'm, but he did, he did go on other places. I mean, like, I just think it's crazy when you've got guys that are making plenty of money that then are going to like, I don't know. They're going to lesser what they're doing. I think that is lesser than being on the PGA tour. It's never going to be as big a name as the PGA tour. In my opinion, it's just not going to work out. How are they going to keep the money around? Your argument's invalid. LeBron made more money because he goes somewhere and wins. Even if he takes less of a quote unquote salary, he's not making his money off of his salary. Granted, he gets a max contract every time and he does make good money on his salary, but his net worth rises because he wins. And then his shoe, his shoe brand gets bigger. His contracts with everybody gets bigger his car movies, contracts TV. his movies i mean that's because he's winner I mean, nobody I, cares if he doesn't win and i i get that but so i just he, think, here's the thing like, I, I just think riley should go to 
you know, like a better functioning school and like take like 10,000 less because you know what? It would be a better place. They're more established, right? See, Dude, hold, hold none on, of on. us are Dude, doing Dude, you're that. talking about guys that are making millions of dollars every day. They're not making a $40,000 teacher's salary. That's the most bullcrap thing I've ever heard. We're talking about babies that make millions of dollars to play a game that we pay money to play every single day. And we're talking about why money should drive because it's the difference between $4 million in a couple of months and $10 million in a couple of months. I just think it's ridiculous that that's what we're having to get. Like, I'm, 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 just, I'm just saying. If you had $4 million, you would want $10 million. Just like your $40,000 job, you want to make $60,000. Don't give me that argument about, well, they already got millions. They don't care. You want more money because that's how we are as a, as, as a human race. That's what we want. It's just, it's just garbage that... Not to mention, they have families and legacies, and they retire probably at 35, 40 years old. Right, because and so get your money. Uh, get your money while you can get it. By the time you get your money while old. you can get it. I'm never going to turn down money. Yeah, here's the thing, right? Like, I don't think, you know, Phil Mickelson, he might not have money. You know, he's gambled all of it away. So he's got to he's got to get some money quickly, you know. I, ultimately decisions. at the end of the yeah ultimately at the end of low the low blow yeah low that blow. was a little bit of a low blow honestly <laughs> at the end of the day though like like i don't blame them right but it does feel icky and it just it feels like the players know it's wrong they know it's wrong but they're looking out for number one and you've got to to a certain to a certain extent, like they're a business, right? Like they them individually, they are a business. They are a corporation in and of themselves, and they're okay. doing what any corporation would do, right? I, I don't like it. I think it could hurt their brand. It could backfire on them. We'll have to see. See, but that's the same argument you hear. I mean, if a big business is doing something like that to look out for themselves and make more money, they're the which they do enemy. all the time. Right. Right. You're the same person that calls out freaking Jeff Bezos for kit because he's making millions of dollars and his, and oh, his he's lower making, level employers. He's making billions, billions of dollars. Billions, billions of dollars and his lower level employees aren't making enough money. Like it's the yeah. same concept that these guys are going for. And I think it's garbage. Like how can we call out big CEOs and then we just allow these professional athletes to do whatever the heck they want? They're not employing defend them be- tens of thousands and defend of them because of it. And they're not paying people garbage wages. They have a caddy that they take care of. They got a family. That's their sure. employees is their family. You think you think Bryson DeChambeau takes care of his caddies? Get out of here. I'm sure he does. I'm sure his caddies are well I'm sure compensated. The, the, the I'm caddies, sure they're compensated, but if they, they say two words out of place, they're fired because the dude's got a hothead and Roid rages every three seconds, and you've never had watch, a boss. Watch, you've never had a boss like that. That's hot. Watch, watch the way he talks to the cameraman on tour. This is funny. You're you're really Those mixing guys. up. You're really mixing up the two things between character and the opportunity to make money. And in fact, but that, most of the time, no. Most of the time, most of the time, the guys that make money have less character. And in fact, this is not hurting employees and families and other other than themselves. And you know what the other thing is? Is if we don't like it, we don't have to watch it. It's, it's yeah, simple. I got, 
we they making the money on their value with us, especially in the entertainment industry. They're selling themselves. The product they sell is themselves. And it's up to us whether we want to buy into. And that's my point. Part of where I'm at is I think that in the in the long run it backfire on them because I don't know if golf's big enough to support two major tours at the money they want to talk about. See, but here's here's the live Tiger Woods, we're never getting at the money we're at right now. Here's the Tigers live tours whole goal is to sh- they want to shut down the pga they want to make it so that they're more interesting than the pga and if they keep getting the big names are you really going to be able to ignore it if big names are going over there you're going to have to go watch it because those are the names you want to see every week now but but we've seen this with sports before right it's really hard to topple the league the dominant league right and so they're going after the pga tour we'll see what happens i know right now they have no TV rights, so they're going to be playing this tournament, but it's not broadcast anywhere. I think it's going to be on YouTube where you'll be able to find it. So, I mean, they they have as much access to broadcast as we do on this podcast, right? So, if that tells us anything about, I how think they've well got doing, a little bit more name, though. Yeah, we don't have Bryson DeChambeau or Brian <laughs> right. Nicholson on our podcast. I'm just we saying. have a guy who shot a 78 last week. There's a slightly proud of bigger draw. Not mad. He's, proud he's not mad. <laughs> There's a slightly bigger draw as far as name recognition there. Like, I'll give them that. But yeah, like they're trying to give away the TV rights and nobody's taking it. And so I think like it's going to be rough for a little bit. We're also seeing though the USFL and you have the XFL. And they're kind of going a different direction here. They're trying, they're not trying to necessarily topple the NFL. They're just trying to be a startup league to get some players that maybe can move into the NFL. And they're almost like the, they're like the, the science experiment for the NFL. Let's try different rule changes. Let's try different things out, see how it works there. Does that work? Do we want to adopt some of that? So if you're looking at the two of these though, like I worry about the live tour how long are they going to be able to sustain this? Like the money, is the money going to dry up at a certain point? Is the interest going to dry up at a certain point? Like I'm not watching it. I don't have that much time to watch that much golf, right? So if you were to make a prediction as we jump into a little bit of this or that, which lasts longer, the live tour or the US or this version of the USFL? If they keep this version of the USFL going, I've kind of seen it being like a minor leagues for the NFL in a way, which you've never really had. And if they can keep that idea around where they can have some lower level players, they can have uh, your access for fan, be able to go watch and they can, like you said, sometimes experiment with real changes, just like they do in the minor leagues and baseball, just like they do with the G league and basketball. Like, I think that it can last a little longer. It may not have a name, but I think that they're going to last a little longer and be able to maybe sustain, like, you're probably not going to get big people watching USFL games that often. But if they just understand, like, hey, you're not going to make as much money, but you're going to play professional football and have a chance to get recognized by the league and maybe get in, just like it is like, hey, you're going to go play in the minor leagues for 12 years, but there might be that chance that the one day you hit the show, I think that they can they can live a lot live longer doing that than I think the live tour. I I think the money's got to dry up at some point for the live tour if they don't get immediate interest and huge coverage and everything like that. So I think that you kind of hit it on the head with that. It's it depends on what the USFL really decides they want to do. They want to start paying 
Steve Young money back in the 80s to try to attract these big name guys out of college and instead of them going to the draft and paying them more than the NFL can pay them and all the stuff like they did in the in the 80s. That's what ruined the, NFL, the UFL in the 80s. And so I think if they designate themselves as a spring league to have guys get some shots at camps and different things come July, you know, I think that, that that's something that it could stick around. Depends on if they get greedy or not. The one advantage to the live tour, you know, maybe you get people going to tournaments that maybe didn't go to tournaments. Like I'm not going to go seek out a golf tournament on YouTube when I could watch one on the PGA tour, like on the golf channel or NBC or ESPN or wherever this is playing. I have those channels. I don't want to go look on YouTube to try to find it. Um, But then again, you know, they got big names. It's just kind of, I guess maybe that's me sitting on the fence, but I just don't trust the USFL. We've been here with the USFL, the XFL, NFL Europe, you know, all these different leagues that didn't work because they can't make it last. And I think that there's probably a little bit more of a market for, for extra golf. There's more guys there. Here's my other a worldwide, worldwide market too. football football's America. Golf is worldwide. You know, you got Europe's big into golf play. One more thing of the live tour of those big names that have gone in there though, this year in this PGA tour season, how many of them have been just killing it? I don't think any of the te- any of the guys that have been tearing it up on the PGA tour this year are going that way. I think it's guys that are big names, but are not at the top of the game right now. Like. Oh, Dustin Johnson know. was number one, you know, to me, that was know. the, yeah, that was the, but I mean, Bryson DeChambeau is a, a roller coaster. Um, Phil Mickelson won the. He is Phil. Phil Mickelson won the PGA Championship last year, and then has done like nothing noteworthy since. Um, yeah. Patrick Cantlay. Well, he hasn't really played either. So. hasn't done hasn't done much this year. I just think that you're not getting the top of the top right now in the game. To me, the best player out of all those is DJ, and even he's been disappointing in many tournaments this year. Yeah, I I think that NIL hurts USFL a little bit because I think they could have started bringing in like high school players, but now that they can get paid in college, I think that hurts the USFL from drawing some big names. But I still think that's going to stick around a little bit longer than the Live Tour. I don't see this sticking around. I think it's really hard. They're trying to go right after right at the PGA Tour. It doesn't. I. I think there's too much risk for media companies to try to get involved with the Saudis. If they, if something doesn't change, I think there's going to be too much of a backlash that I think nobody wants to touch that at this point. And so I, I, in three years, I think the live tour is gone, but that's me. Um, Other thing that we're, we want to talk a little bit about here. So more Deshaun Watson allegations have been coming up and it's interesting the nfl hasn't made a move to do some sort of suspension yet but if you were to make a prediction at this point with the the new allegations that are coming out and the story of of the texans getting involved like who do you think is going to start more games for the browns this year sean watson or baker mayfield i think baker has to be like the luckiest guy in nfl right now you know i mean he was left for dead and here we are with Deshaun Watson. Like I think he has a job. He has a chance to to still have a job at the end of the day. And uh, 
I just don't know that Deshaun Watson's going to play this year at all. If I if I had to put money down 50-50 one way or the other, whether he plays an over-under of half a game, I'm going to take the under on that one and uh, move on. Yeah, I, I've i got to go with Baker Mayfield. Deshaun might not ever get a job again. I mean, someone's going to be desperate, but if this keeps going on, all these investigations, everything is gone, I has no choice. Right. Got some point suspend him at least for a while or indefinitely. I think Baker, like Ben said, Baker Mayfield's one of the, like the luckiest guys ever because he's still got a job right now, um, the way it looks. And he was dead in the water. He had nothing. So I yeah, I, I don't I wouldn't go as far as to say Deshaun doesn't ever play again. I mean, he did just sign a what was that, two hundred and sixty million dollar contract or something ridiculous like that with the Browns. And we the NFL has had some guys do some pretty terrible things that have been able to come back and play football. So I I don't think that he is necessarily gone. My concern with Baker Mayfield is is he mature enough? to recognize the situation for what it is. Like you said, Ben, like the, how lucky he is that he has the second chance, or is he going to be too emotional and be like, Nope, like you guys gave up on me. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Like, is he going to be passive aggressive Baker or is he going to mature a little bit and go out and play and say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to perform. I'm going to show what I can do. Try to get my neck, get the next team to pick me up. Like, I just don't know if Baker is mature enough to do that. So, I mean, it could be neither. Maybe, maybe that's time. what I'm saying. Like, a, like that neither is a good point. It's possible. Point. Yeah. So the other thing that we're looking at in baseball, there was a couple of managers that got fired. So looking at it, you had you had the two Joes, right? Joe Girardi for the Phillies, Joe Madden for the Angels. The Phillies have been a little bit disappointing this year. They have a lot of star power, and they're always there in the mix, but it never just seems to come together. And then Madden, the, the Angels started off so hot and then losing 13 straight just, you know, was, was too much for him to overcome. Who do you think deserved to be fired more, Madden or Girardi? We're going to go with 14 straight because the Red Sox just pulled off another dub against them, one nothing. And I think that it has to go as, as much as we've talked about. I know we talked about Mad Madden on the show uh, maybe a, a month or so ago, but, uh, man, you got to go. You got – trout the best player in baseball on your team and then and granted he just got hurt i guess didn't play um whether he plays the whole year that's kind of been one of his things but then you also got otani i mean you've had people like you gotta be able to put something together in a division that is weaker it's pretty weak let's be honest the rangers i mean the Mariners are rebuilding. They're better, but they're, you know, I mean, and Oakland is absolutely atrocious. I mean, right now, if the playoffs started, the AL East has four teams in the playoffs. You know, they're sitting with all three wild cards are coming out of the AL East right now. I think that Madden had to be the one to go. You know, I don't, Girardi's expectations are probably less than Madden's are. I think the Angels have more talent. The Phillies have some talent and they're, they are disappointing, but I'm, how do you lose 14 in a row? You know, I mean, that's crazy. Losing. Yeah, I'm I'm on the fence with this one. With Ben's points, I, they have big stars, 
but hey, stop calling me a fence sitter. You guys both said it tonight. All right. Hey, like no more down. calling me the fence sitter here. Calm, right, calm down. Um, but the angels have, I, I don't know how much their organization, they've gone and gotten big names, but what have they done to improve their pitching staff? Ultimately to me, the weakness in the angels, even though they wouldn't want nothing in me, they lost nothing. In what have they done to make their pitching staff better? They got than- Noah Syndergaard. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Their their pitching staff has always been disappointing. You got Shohei Otani. Noah Syndergaard. Like, who do the Red Sox have? Okay, but who and do you have? And their, their pitching bullpen? staff is dominating right now. Their like, their bullpen is just garbage. Like the A's, well, last three the drafts Angels, have been all pitchers. Like they just they just they just drafted are basically not, all pitchers. Yeah, I don't know, but. Um, I I've watched the Phillies play a lot this year. There's no way that team should not be higher. There's no way they should not be winning more. That lineup is one of the scarier lineups in baseball and they should be doing better than they are now, whether or not it's just because those players aren't mixing or whatever is going on. I just, you've got to be doing better than that with that lineup. And with some of the players, you've got MVP talent on that team and you're just not getting the job done. And so I think I'm I'm going more towards the Phillies. I think that Girardi needed to be gone and they need to mix that up and they need to change something to see if they cannot get that team performing to what it should be performing at. The angels don't have MVP talent. Well, they do. Yeah. They have two MVP players. Okay. Just, they're pitching right. staff. Don't make that argument. Then move on. Well, what I'll say for Girardi is that the roster construction, like how he's a, he has a tough job. You got to figure out how to get Castellanos, and Schwarber and Harper all in the game at the same time. So you have their bats in the lineup. Harper has to DH because of his elbow. So then you're like, where do I put Schwarber and Castellanos in this lineup that it's not going to completely destroy the team defensively? That's a, that's a tough job. JT Real Muto. I mean, there's so much talent. The Phillies should be better, but I just don't think that they like general management, like the management needs to be able to, to build a roster that works together you can't just buy a bunch of big names that hit home runs they have to be able to play in the field somewhere too i think that's part of the problem so i like for me it's on madden and madden he's a, he won a world series with the cubs he took the Rays to another one like he's kind of the mad genius but it seems like he's lost his touch and so i think like madden definitely was the one that needed to go in order to say phil nevin great former players stepping in and what's his original idea to get us out of this funk? Let's play some Nickelback. All of the players today, their walk-up music was a Nickelback song. And unfortunately, the hitting failed as much as Nickelback did as a band. So I yeah, don't scored, think it helped. They scored zero runs. Zero. That's when you know you're out of ideas. And hey, you know who pitched? Let's play Nickelback. You know who pitched, right? Oh, was it Evaldi? Evaldi. Oh, it was Evaldi. Oh. Just <laughs> All right, he had a good night. He there. had one good night. Let's give him the Cy Young. He had one good night. All right, here it, we go. It, that's the same argument as let's take away a Cy Young. He had one bad night. <laughs> I'll, I'll go on Ben's side on that one. Hey, I'll, always um, defending the pitchers. Always defending the pitchers. I'll just say Cy Young. <laughs> one that we didn't talk about, Tony Gonsolin. How about that guy? Uh, He's been pitching dude. out of his mind. All right, let's go back to the NBA uh, coach search right now. So we've got the the last two positions that are available. You got the Hornets and you got the Jazz. All right, if you were a coach, 
which of these jobs would you be more interested in? Do you want to work for the GOAT? Do you want to work for MJ in the Hornets? Or do you want to, you know, go work for the Jazz? Which team would be more compelling to you? I mean, I see I see both of them. They're both kind of small markets. They're, there's some talent, some young talent on both teams. Um, ultimately, I think that you've got a better shot with the Jazz than you do with the Hornets. And so I think you've got to go with the Jazz. The Jazz have recently been towards the top in the last few years. They've been right up there with the best in the West. I think the Hornets have been mediocre you know um their their whole excitement is that they have a one of the ball brothers is finally productive you know and so it's like yeah we got the good one right and so they're just running with that but i think that the jazz ultimately have a brighter outlook so if i'm if i'm that coaching if i'm that coach looking for the job and i've got those two opportunities i'm probably going with the jazz so as much as mj is the goat as far as being a player, he's not a good front office person. So, and if I had to choose a, I don't know, no, wouldn't call him necessarily a goat, but I'd rather work with Danny Ainge constructing my roster than what Charlotte has going on right now. I think that the Jazz have an opportunity if they can keep um, brain doesn't work. Mitchell Donovan, Mitchell. There we go. Brain. Um, They have talent that they could build. Let him, let him open up a little bit. Let him play. Let him do his thing. You know, not worry about whether Gobert is getting enough or whatever else, and get some talent around him. I think that that's your better opportunity. Um, You know, the only one thing is, you know, well, I might not even see that. The West is probably more stacked, but the East has got some really good teams. So I'm not gonna throw that down there anymore i think that they're pretty evenly matched east and west at the moment all right well people don't come here for reasonable analysis they come here for emotions and this is pessimistic jazz fan here like the jazz are a freaking mess i wouldn't want that job like who know like the expectations are so high the west is stacked i mean the clippers are going to be better next year the lakers are probably going to be better next year the I don't know. I just, is Mitchell going to stay? I doubt it because he, it's Utah. Nobody stays unless you're Carl Malone or John Stockton. I, I just feel like with the hey, Hornets. He could be our next John Stockton, man. Come on. Yeah. Believe. We've been saying, yeah. Have some faith. There's not going to be another John Stockton, unfortunately. You know, we already had that argument. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think with the Hornets, there's more excitement there. I think LaMelo's a, has more potential than what Mitchell has. He's got better size. He's better defender. He's has a better all around game. I just, yeah, I think at this point, again, this is my emotional reaction. I'd take the Hornets over the jazz and then the jazz are back to being nothing, but then Danny Ainge might be able to pull some magic. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And isn't it, isn't it a little ironic how you talked about MJ not being the go to the front office and in almost 75% of the last dance, all they did was talk about how terrible their general manager was. <laughs> they just hated him and like well, he won six championships. It's a, it's a weirdo. It's a weirdo, but you know. Well, hey, 
players don't always make good general managers. I think LeBron's figuring that out with, you know, trying to get Westbrook on his team. So shot at LeBron and Westbrook at the same time. So you can always take a shot at Westbrook anytime. (laughs) He can't take a shot at the rim. So. Yeah, well, he takes plenty of them. He, he takes shots. He just the rim. He doesn't take shots <laughs> doesn't put, at the net. He doesn't take shots at the inside of the net. That's the well, he takes shots at the rim, just not into the rim. Like right. it's, it's like yeah. yeah. All right. Well, moving off of sports, just for a little bit of levity. All right. What are we watching? Obi Wan Kenobi or Stranger Things? Like, if you had to pick one, which one more interesting to you at this moment? Okay, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but Obi-Wan Kenobi is amazing right now. We got some great things. We're getting some callbacks into Clone Wars. I know I'm a true nerd when it comes to Star Wars. I've watched the Clone Wars cartoon series twice. I've watched Rebels. I've watched all the movies. I, I, I've watched all these series from Mandalorian to Boba Fett. Like, this is my jam. I'm a nerd. And I love that Kenobi's tying in things from Rebels. We got the Inquisitors. You know, you got tying in with the Clone Wars and some of these Jedi and what happened to them after Order 66. Like, give me some Obi-Wan Kenobi. And granted, if you all want to throw some shade at me, throw some shade at me in the comments. I haven't watched one second of Stranger Things. So really, Obi-Wan Kenobi's it for me. Oh, okay. Like, like you haven't watched episode like any of what? season one, two, not or one three? second, not a second of Stranger Things ever okay. in the history of ever. It's your birthday, so I'm not going to totally just cuss you out right now. Um, here's here's my. I'm going with Stranger Things. I just finished the fourth season, part one, and am like nervously anxious for July first to get here so that I can watch the rest of it. I'm a huge Stranger Things fan. I have been since season one. I freaking love Stranger Things. It's just a great show. I think it's well put together. I think that they keep mystery alive throughout the whole thing. And then they tie stuff in so well. And there's just, and it's all coming together. So I love how they can just keep feeding you more of this story. And granted it, it might be getting repetitive in some ways, but so does everything. Now, here's my issue I've had with Obi-Wan and I've watched every episode and I'm totally into it. And I am just like Ben. I've watched like everything star Wars. I'm a star Wars nerd. I think that Obi-Wan is ruining some of my imagination. Like all of the, like some of the things that I imagine. here's a new hope episode four, you see Obi-Wan and you see Darth Vader face off in my mind for all of the years of my life that I've known that movie. That was the first time they had met up since they fought each other at the end of episode three, like that was the first, like, Oh my gosh, it's those two against each other again. And that's the way I always envisioned it. And then once again, spoilers, but Obi-Wan's taking away from that because now it's showing like there was this battle between like, they were actually after each other, you know, Vader was after him for me in my entire life. I always thought he was just non-existent on Tatooine watching Luke. And it's kind of like, I don't know. I haven't been as excited about Obi-Wan because of that thought. And here's the other thing, Empire. You're so stupid that you can't figure out that Ben Kenobi is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Give me a break. Well, he wasn't Come. exactly broadcasting his name out there. That's he told is. everybody what his name was. I know. Oh, just Ben. Right. Like, but that's it. I'm ben. not Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm just Ben. 
Yeah, so, but he's just working at a little factory cutting meat. You know, I mean, he's not doing anything like, like spoilers. Wait, if you all haven't watched it, that's your own fault because you should have watched it by now. But you're dumb. You're dumb. No, and you're dumb and you're dumb. How did you think that Darth Vader is going to be hunting the galaxy with Inquisitors for 20 years and they're never going to run into Obi-Wan? Not once like Darth Maul. And once again, spoiler alert, people, but in Rebels, Darth Maul finds Obi-Wan on Tatooine and finally Obi-Wan kills him, you know, for once and for all, because obviously it's almost impossible to kill, to kill Darth Maul. But, uh, no, you I, know, I mean, how did you think that, that was the like, first there's time? A, there's a couple of things about Obi-Wan, about Kenobi that I like. I like the show. You're I just trying like, to be cool by saying that it's not good. Like, no, I'm not to be trying to be that antagonist guy. That's all. Oh, look at me! Way. I'm not different. It hasn't hit me the same way. There is one aspect that I have really enjoyed is the fact that you know, in A New Hope, Leia knows who Obi Wan Kenobi is and reaches out to him. So I do like the fact that like this is Leia meeting Obi Wan and she knows who he is, and that's why she's reaching out to him. But it's just there's just been some things that it's kind of ruined my imagination in it. I think, and I think that. Disney's just cashing in on the never-ending Star Wars bank, and sometimes it feels that way with these. All shows. I know is it's making me wait. I can't wait for Ahsoka. I'm ready to rumble with some Ahsoka when that comes out later this year. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all Obi Wan. I I think it's great. Like it's been so much fun. Like Stranger Things is great. I I I enjoy Stranger Things. I'm through the first episode of part one. <sighs> like. It's gone a little too dark for me, so I, I don't know. Like it's it's lost a bit of its charm, I feel like, from like the first two seasons. So Stranger Things is still good, but Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan's legit. And I'm a little disappointed that I have to wait like a whole nother week to get a new episode. I will say watching- I may have stayed up last night, or actually I woke up at three this morning and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I just turned on Obi-Wan at three in the morning <laughs> to watch Obi-Wan like, cause I knew it had downloaded cause it was Wednesday, you know? Yeah. I will just say the first five minutes of the first episode of Obi-Wan made me want to watch the prequels again. I was like, you know what? This is a good story in five minutes in eight hours. No, but in five minutes, oh, hold on. Wow. This was really interesting. Yeah. This I would say that was really interesting. But then you'd go watch the prequels again, and you'd be completely whoa, whoa, whoa. disappointed in the first two I movies. like the prequels. Get out of here. Those first two movies are so garbage. I like the prequels. And you know why I like the prequels? Because they expanded and, quote, unquote, ruined my imagination by giving us the Clone Wars cartoon series. No. The Clone Wars cartoon series saves the prequels. You the know Clone what? Wars cartoon the series makes those good movies. You know what the best piece of star wars like we're completely off the rails people yeah you know what the best star wars fill-in piece is is rogue one rogue one was a fantastically made movie did not tread on any of the characters you've known and loved for years didn't make any of that seem like different didn't have to cgi any of it like it was just a well put together side story that explained a lot that was awesome that was stuff you want to see i liked rogue one no cgi whatever that one guy and princess leia were all cgi all right right but i don't know it's like some of it's pretty rough at times it feels luke Luke looks funny 
Luke looked so funny. Rogue One, like, Rogue One fills in plot holes, but so does Obi-Wan. You're missing what is filling in plot holes, and you need to go back, and you need to watch the cartoon series and stuff again. We're filling in plot holes here. You know, Leia is able to resist by using the force that we realize she now has. Hey, we're off the rails here because I'm getting way in depth she, into Star she, Wars. She had the force. Man, She's a Skywalker. Ten, Get out of here. We're 10 minutes into Star Wars here on a, on a sports <laughs> podcast, but this is okay. great. All right. And the other thing, ben, one last ben, thing. Ben, go watch Stranger Things. All one right. last thing. I guess I like Stranger Things more because that's the only thing. My, that's the one my wife will watch with me. She doesn't care anything <laughs> about Star Wars. So I like being able to sit down with my wife and watch Stranger Things. The advantage uh, of being single. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christina won't watch Stranger Things. That's um, not happening. So a different conversation well, for another day. <clears throat> well, just to close this out, um, we've got the College World Series coming coming up soon. This weekend, we got the Super Regionals and looks like really it's a lot of sec you've got a little bit of big 12 a few acc teams and then pac 12 you got stanford and oregon state that are up there if you're thinking about like which conference of the major conferences here is more likely to have the winner which are you picking you got big 12 sec acc pac 12 or are you going other with that I'm probably going, probably going with the Big Twelve right now. I think there's some really good baseball being played out of the Big Twelve. It's just Texas um, and Oklahoma left, so you you going? And I think both of those teams are teams that can get the job done. Texas looks good this year. I'll give you, I'll give you some some love, Danny, with your Texas love. I think Texas looks really good. I can't ever bring myself to pick the SEC because I just can't stand that conference in any sport. And um, I just don't think that the Pac-12 teams, you know, Oregon State, Stanford, I just don't think they have that firepower this year that is going to get them there. I just don't. I'm going to go with Big 12. I think I have to go. Sorry, people. I think I have to go with uh, the SEC. I think that, first of all, you get Tennessee. I mean, Texas A&M. Some of your – your top guys are, are, are SEC. I'm going to go with SEC. I think that they they got more opportunities. They hit. For some reason, it's just the way it is. But, uh, you know, what are you looking at? Like six teams right now in the Super Regionals out of the SEC? Um, yeah. And, and number one of them all is Tennessee. And Tennessee yeah. is good. Somebody's got to beat Tennessee. And I don't know that anybody can even beat Tennessee. Like, let's go with that first and foremost. So if I had to put money down – I'd have to say Tennessee, or I'd have to say the SEC just because, number one, they got Tennessee in the SEC. Yeah, Tennessee's looked really good. I would want to say the Big 12 because Texas has a really explosive offense. Um, it'd be fun to see them go all the way. But I think just the quality of the teams that the SEC has, I think is just too much. I, I don't know. ACC's got some teams. you got Notre Dame in there. You've got Virginia Tech. You've got Louisville. So I could see the ACC making a run, but I think – Ultimately, the SEC is going to be the the ones that go. Isn't isn't UNC in there too? Oh, UNC, yeah, UNC so still yeah. around. Yeah, ACC's got some. ACC still got some too. shots. Yeah, the Pac-12, all they have is Stanford and Oregon State, so I think it's going to be a little. Yeah, but I mean, Oregon State Oregon is still State's Oregon State. That's yeah. Well, Oregon sure. State's still Oregon State. So, what's but. interesting? SEC's that dominant, and then Texas and OU are you know going to be. East. 
SEC here soon. So that's man, true. Conference is getting stronger and stronger in everything. I know uh, it's it's just moving to there's going to be one or two super conferences, and that's going to be a tier above everything else. Hey, Danny, with with this new rule, that's so since Riley went ahead and gave you the Texas love. I just I didn't want to mention that Oklahoma smashed six homers tonight in the women's college world series, you know, and six, absolutely annihilated Texas tonight. And granted, it's game one, but I'm just I wanted to just bring it up and end on a good note. On that note, folks, we're gonna we're gonna close out this episode. <laughs> and um, you know what? It is 1021 p.m. here in Washington, and OU still sucks, even if they beat Texas. So no matter what time of day it is, OU still sucks. Come at me, Oklahoma. Right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate you coming in. Hopefully, you enjoyed tonight's episode. If you want to hear more Star Wars. I'm pretty sure you don't, but let us know. We're happy to argue. We'll, we'll do a whole Star Wars episode. Can, yeah, I'm down with that. Like Star Wars it up. Yeah, you got to get into. I mean, if you want to be real, Riley, you got to start playing Jedi Fallen Order because that's all canon now. I mean, you got to get into it if you're going to get into it. Yeah, I really like Fallen Order. That's a fun game. Yeah, it's a great game. Try that. Try that out. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Remember to subscribe. Apple Podcast, Spotify iHeartRadio. Check us out on Facebook. The YouTube channel. You had some people listening. Yep. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. I know some people were saying, you know, they're we're not liking my Isaiah Thomas love. So feel free to continue to throw it out there. We appreciate you interacting with us and hope that you enjoy what we're doing. All right. Have a good night, everyone. We out.